the reason the reason I'll be speaking both times is uh, we've kind of got a little bit of a series going, I guess, if you will, and uh, felt that it was somewhat necessary to give these these lessons, I guess, in in succession to one another. Uh, we might forget a few things. I know I do if if I don't kind of hear things together where they're where they're supposed to go. And so, if you'll go back, I would guess six to eight weeks. Brother Brandon spoke about the synagogue. And then uh, the last time he spoke, he talked about the worship assembly. And uh, he lined out the worship assembly. And he uh, went over each of those different components that you'll see in our worship assemblies today. We talked about singing and praying, uh, being together. We talked about teaching, the Lord's Supper, giving. And he went through each of those different components one by one. And so kind of the idea is to, to now go through each of those different components, if you will, that's the word I'm going to use, you can call them whatever you want, I guess, uh, of a worship assembly. The different commandments we see of things that we're supposed to do in a worship assembly. And so, uh, as we prepare to do that, I want to talk about some of the guiding principles that we see to an assembly. And we see these Ideas, we see these truths, we see these things taught throughout the scripture, and we see them taught pertaining to the worship assembly. So this afternoon, I'll take the first swing at that, and we'll talk about singing in the worship assembly. And so, Lord willing, after, after hearing this lesson, you'll be back this afternoon as we, as we kind of kick off a few of those sermons about the worship assembly, and we talk about singing in the worship assembly. There are some guiding principles that go along with every worship assembly. Uh, there's a purpose to having a worship assembly, is there not? There's some things that God wants in a worship assembly. There's some things God doesn't want in the worship assembly. And so we're going to talk about God's authority as it pertains to the worship assembly. And so as I kind of give this little intro, I want us to look at the sermon today through the lens of the worship assembly. And, and these following sermons will be through the lens of the worship assembly. And so when we talk about God's authority today, yes, God has authority outside of the worship assembly, but today we're going to look at his authority as it pertains to the worship assembly. And then that will be a common theme as, as we go throughout these studies. Uh, before we get to talking about God's authority, I want to talk about the purpose of worship. We see in 1 Corinthians 14, one that Brother Brandon has used and one that we'll use continually throughout this series uh, because of the, the nature of this chapter, talking about when the brothers and sisters are together, when we meet together to worship, it says, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. He says there, let all things be done unto edifying. And an overlying purpose of our worship assembly today is edification. You and I are to be edified. And God wants us to be edified. He commands our edification. If we do something here that is not done to edification, it's not to be done. We're not, we're not supposed to do it. That's pretty simple to understand. He says, let all things be done unto edifying. We do it so that we can be edified for the purpose of being edified. It's what the worship assembly, one of the purposes of the worship assembly is today. When you come together, everyone, if we're going to sing, we're going to teach, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, let it be done unto edifying. We see similar language like this later on in, in uh, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, don't we? Things are be, to be done unto 
edification. Another and predominant purpose of our worship assembly today, uh, we find a little glimpse of in Romans chapter 11. It says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. I read something online the other day. I thought it was really cool, and I had never thought about this before. I don't know how many people are here today, and it don't matter. It don't matter if we got 100 or 150 or if there's 15 or 10 or whatever. There's always one audience member to a worship assembly. God is the only one there watching and observing our worship assembly. The purpose is to glorify Him. We come here to be edified, but we don't come here to be edified in the ways we want to be edified, do the things that are good for us and what we like and what, what we really prefer. Everything is to be for glory, to glory and to glorify God. Is that not right? The purpose of the worship assembly. He's the only one watching. He's the only one observing. I think if we'll think about worship through that light a little bit more, it'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit different to us, wouldn't it? We're not here for you and I. Yes, we are to be edified. We must be edified in everything we do in the assembly. But the purpose is to glorify God, is to praise God. And he's, he's here today watching and observing our worship assembly. He observed your singing today. He observed our prayer today. He's observing the teaching today. And he'll observe us as we partake of the Lord's communion today. And we better glorify him in that. We better be edified in that. So to change gears just for a second before we talk about authority, I want to ask, can we, can we learn about God? Can we learn about God's authority? Can we learn about purpose in the worship assembly by looking at the Old Testament? Because we're going to use a few Old Testament Passages and a few Old Testament scriptures today. In Romans 15 and 4 it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In uh, Hebrews chapter 8 it says, In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And so I pulled these two verses out. You can go, you can read the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 8. You can read Hebrews chapter 9, some of Hebrews chapter 10. And you can read about the passing away of the old law. And how the laws that we read in the Old Testament are, are not binding on us today. However, Romans 15 and 4 says that those things were written for our learning. So that we could have patience, comfort, and hope. Or through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope, rather. So as we look at some of these Old Testament scriptures today, I want you to know that while we may look at Cain and Abel, we may look at... Uh, we may look at some, some people like Uzzah. We may talk about Noah this afternoon. It's not that the laws, that, well, the things that God told them to do are binding on us today, but we can learn from those things. We understand a little bit about God, don't we? We see when God reacts this way to, to people's worship. Well, God might react that way today too, don't you think? And with that being said, God will either be pleased or he'll be displeased with our worship. The purpose is for us to glorify God. And we do that being edified, but the purpose to be, is to glorify God. And he will either be pleased or he'll be displeased. When he looked at my singing today, as, as we sat here just moments ago, he was either pleased or he was displeased. Don't we want to please God? 
So as we go throughout this series and we talk about singing this afternoon, as we talk about teaching in the assembly, we talk about the Lord's Supper, we talk about these other components of the assembly, we must, we must look at that and be willing to do whatever the Bible tells us to do, right? Whatever the Scriptures tell us to do, we will do. If it's something we believe prior and the Scriptures tell us otherwise, we must believe what the Scriptures tell us to believe. Don't let my comments influence you or, or somebody else's comments influence you. Let the Scripture influence us and teach us how to please God. In 2 Samuel it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. This is after they put the ark on the, on the ox on, and the ox stumbles and Uzzah reaches out to stabilize the ark and God smote him there for his error and there he died by the ark. God will either be pleased or displeased with us. I know this is not necessarily in a, in a worship assembly type setting. But we know that when God looks down at us, he's either pleased or he's displeased with our actions. God never looks down at me and goes, eh, he's close. I'm almost happy with what he's doing, but I'm not mad at him for what he's doing. Uh, okay, fine. There's never a point in the scriptures where God says, okay, for this portion I want you to sing, for this portion I want teaching, and for the rest... Do whatever you want, and I'll accept it. God will either be pleased or he'll be displeased, and he expects us to obey him in that. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, we could certainly read other scriptures to prove this point. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. God will either look down on us with anger or look down on us and be well pleased. I want God to be pleased when he looks at me. Don't you? When I sing today, I want God to be pleased. I don't want him to look at me in any, any similar way in which he looked at Uzzah when he reached out and touched that, uh, the, the ark. Our singing today was a sacrifice to God. And different than in the Old Testament times, they made animal sacrifices, they did different things, but our worship today is similar and the fact that our singing is, is sacrifice to God. Our prayer is sacrifice to God. Our, our, our coming here to remember Jesus is sacrifice to God. And he will either be pleased or he'll be displeased. So let's talk about our Lord's authority. Specifically as it pertains to the worship assembly today. In Matthew chapter 28 we see that, that Jesus was given all authority. And this is Jesus speaking here. In the 19th and 20th verse... Uh, the, the last verses of this chapter, Jesus goes on to, to give the Great Commission and tell us to go and to teach to all nations. And here, just before that, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given to Jesus, both in heaven and in earth. You know, if you go and you look at the, uh, the, the meaning of this word power here, it means authority. All authority is given to Jesus. He says, All authority is given to me both in heaven and in earth. That word could mean the right. Jesus has the right. All rights are given to me, both in heaven and in earth. And if we do anything for our Lord today, whether it be outside of the worship assembly or in the worship assembly, we must do so with His authority, by the authority that He has given. All authority, Jesus says, is given to Him, both in heaven and in earth. He has the right. You know, another scripture says that uh, where Jesus speaking, or speaking of Jesus, says that 
While on earth he has the power to forgive sins, the authority to forgive sins. Jesus showed us his authority, did he not? While he lived here on earth. Then again in Romans chapter 14, for it is written, as I live, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every, sh- every tongue shall confess to God. Well, there's not a lot of other verses that'll, that'll show you authority like that, are there? Talk about authority. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the authority of our God. Better yet, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know what shows authority? Someone you have to give account to. That's someone who has authority. We give people give account to their parents. That's their authority. Isn't it? We will give account. We will we will bow our knee. We will confess to God because of his authority. And what we do today in the worship assembly, we will give account one day. Did we worship by the authority that Jesus has given us? Did we obey his authority? One day we will give account to how we worship God, to how we lived our life. Now, uh, our God has delegated some authority. He's delegated authority to people as, as we live. All, all power is, is certainly given to Jesus. Um, but there are people today we see who have some authority that, that God has delegated that authority to. Uh, the first of which we see elders are given authority. In Hebrews 13, it says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves to their authority. For they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The elders are given authority over the congregation, and we're to submit to that authority. That authority has not come from, from David. It does not come from Garland. That authority comes from God. And we're to submit to that authority. Authority is given in, to, to husbands in a marital relationship. In Hebrews chapter 5 it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So we see here some authority is given to a husband over the wife. Just the same way as Christ says he has authority. Christ has authority over the church. He set the church in order. A husband has authority over the wife. And then in Colossians 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Parents have authority over their children. And the children are to obey and to submit to that authority. I'm not teaching you anything new, am I? We must obey authority. We have problems with authority, don't we? Human, humans have problems with pride. We have a problem obeying authority. Whether that be when we're children, we all had a problem obeying authority, did we not? We have a problem obeying God's authority at times, don't we? You know, as I was talking about this with Dad, he said, well, this is, if you, if you remember his sermon a few months back about uh, rebellion, he said, well, this is basically what that is, really. I was basically talking about God's authority. Sometimes we, in the way he spoke, we rebel out, we commit sin. That is us challenging God's authority, saying, well, no, I'd rather do what I want. I'd rather, I know you said this, but I want to exercise my authority. So let me ask you a question, parents. Would it be okay with you if your child tried to take authority from you? It's okay, look. We're going to try things my way now. That won't fly for long, will it? Wives and husbands, 
What, what if your wife says, okay, look, I know God says that you have authority here, but it's time for me to take control. Husbands, you wouldn't be okay with that. What about you, Garland? David, would you be okay if a member here said, look, I don't really like the way you're running things, and it's time for me to run things for a while and try to take authority from you as an elder here? That wouldn't fly along. That'd be bad. It'd be bad for a, a parent and a child relationship. It'd be bad for a husband and a wife relationship. It'd be bad for our church if somebody tried to take authority from those who are put in authority. Would it be okay with God if a child tried to take authority from the parent? Would it be okay with God if we tried to take authority from the elders? I wonder why we try to get away with taking authority from God then. We try to take it from him himself. We try to take authority from him in worship assemblies, don't we? God, I know you said that we need to make melody in the heart when we sing. But I'm just not feeling like it today. We try to take that authority from him. He tells us to remember his son. We let our mind wonder. We're taking authority from him. We're humans. It's, it's easy to want to take authority. It's easy to want to be in control. I like being in control. A lot, actually. I like knowing when we're going there, what time we're going to be there, what all's going to happen when we're there. I like to have control. I like to know what's going on. And if I can, I'll go ahead and make the plans. I got a problem with authority. You know, Satan tried to tempt Jesus with authority in Luke chapter 4, the way I see it. And the devil saith unto him, this is after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and, and Satan, it says in a couple verses prior, he takes him up into a high mountain, and he shows him all the wonders of the world in a moment's time. And the devil saith unto him, all this power or all this authority will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. Satan says, this is my authority to give. I'll give this to whoever I want. Jesus, I'll give it to you. I've always thought it was interesting that Satan tries to tempt Jesus with something that Jesus created. But Jesus was 100% man, just like you and I. And Satan went after authority. He tempted him with authority. He says, all this authority will I give thee. People crave authority. People crave authority in the worship assembly today. As I said before, and I'll, I'll say it again another ten times today probably, because that's how important this is, we must be willing to worship the way God has told us to worship. It doesn't matter what we want. It doesn't matter what we desire. We must be willing to worship the way he said. Let me tell you, if we find something wrong with the way we worship today, we must be willing to submit to the authority of God. If you find something within the way that you, the attitude you come into worship with, the, the way that you sing, or the way that you pray, or... The way that you take communion as we go throughout this series, you must be willing to submit to the authority of God. Are there some things we might would rather do differently? Sure. I suppose so. I might rather sing 10 or 15 songs. Who knows? We must submit to the authority of God if we see that He has exercised authority. Let me ask you, is all worship the same to God? As I said before, God never... At any point throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere has he said, I want you to sing, I want you to pray, I want you to teach, and then I want you to do whatever you want after this. As we looked at Uzzah, 
And then we, we go and we look at a verse in Hebrews uh, chapter 13 where we read, we see that worship is not the same to God. And we read an example of that in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. If you continue on reading, you'll see the institution of the Lord's Supper. You'll see, uh, you'll see uh, well, talking about the Lord's Supper, that we're to remember Jesus, we're to examine ourselves. You know the scriptures I'm talking about. They were coming together, they were making it a common meal. Forget all that for just a minute. Imagine that you and I, it's the same exact thing applies. I promise you'll see. If we come together and we don't remember Jesus, we partake of these emblems and we, we sit there and let, let the thoughts of our mind, you know, run amok, <laughs> think about other things. If we don't examine ourselves, could the same thing not be said to us? I praise you not. I praise you not. You come together, not for the better, but you come together for the worse. A lot of people have the attitude today, as long as I'm here, God will be pleased. I'm here. I, okay, I made it to church. Thank goodness. Does that sound like what God is wanting for us just to be here? A lot of people have the attitude today of as long as I truly love God, as long as my heart's in it and in the right place, God will accept my worship. God will be pleased. God wouldn't be displeased. I'm here to, I'm here to serve him. Does that, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like anything God has taught us or shown us? Don't you think these people here were, were there to serve God? They, they really wanted to obey God? They, had a, they could have been a lot of other places. And he says, I praise you not. You come together for the, not for the better, but for the worse. You think this is edifying you. You think, you think this is building you up. You think this is good for you. It's not making you better. It's made you worse. You are worse off. You are worse off now than you were before. Because you have not obeyed my authority. If you go down, I believe it's the 28th verse, as he talks about those who don't examine themselves. He says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. God has prescribed a way for us to worship today, as, as Brother Brandon talked about in, in his prior lesson. And if we're not willing to submit to that authority, not in the way we want, in the way God wants, spiritually we'll be weak and sick. All worship's not the same to God. And I'll prove that further in Genesis chapter 4. We see here, uh, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock, of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God has respect for Abel's offering. He has not respect for, for Cain's. And I've probably read this verse wrong a few times in the past and had the wrong idea about it. I want to ask you, in your, in your opinion, after, after reading these scriptures, after being familiar with it, Cain, it says he had not respect for Cain and his offering. Do you think that, 
you think that Cain came with the right heart, with the right desires? I don't know. He says that, you know, Cain made, Cain made sacrifice. He, he made a sacrifice to God. Sometimes we come to worship and we, we make sacrifice, don't we? We're here. We sing. We closed our eyes when everybody prayed. We're making sacrifice to you, God. Does God have respect for that? I don't know if, if Cain's heart was in it or not. I don't know if, there was, if God had a problem with Cain's, the specific sacrifice, the physical thing that, that, uh, that Cain brought. But we know that he rejected Cain and he accepted Abel. It says uh, in the second half of the fourth verse here, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. And the way I read that now, and you can correct me if you believe I'm wrong, it, he had respect to Abel and the offering that Abel brought. It says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. He didn't have respect for Cain or the offering that he brought. Does it sound like God's okay with us coming here today if we just have the right heart? And we don't do things the way he's prescribed? Or we can flip that around the other way just as easily. Does it, does it matter we could have everything right, the procedures right for every single thing God has told us to do. And we can do it in every day of our life. We can do it every Sunday when we come to worship, exactly as God says. But what if our heart's not in it then? Will God have respect for that either? It appears to me that he won't. And that's proven in John four twenty four. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. In spirit and in truth. You know why we must have the attitude of whatever the Bible says, whatever God's authority teaches, we will do. That's the way that we will worship. Is because if you want to worship God, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You must not worship Him in whatever way you want. We see that God doesn't just accept any kind of worship, any kind of offering. God's not willing to accept that. And this is really shown in, in Leviticus chapter 10. The first two verses there. People go, oh, Nadab and Abihu again. Oh, goodness. We've heard enough of Nadab and Abihu. Well, don't make it not true. <laughs> Still true. In Leviticus chapter 10, the first two verses, it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. It reminds you a lot of what, kind of what we just read about Uzzah, doesn't it? There went out fire from the Lord. It devoured him. Uzzah was struck dead on the, on the spot. Here, Nadab and Abihu, they're devoured and they die right there before the Lord. This is one that I've read wrong a time or two before as well. Particularly, it's important as it pertains to worship today. Did Nadab and Abihu go in here this day wanting to worship God, wanting to make sacrifice to God? I think you can argue that they did. That they went in there and they, and they really wanted to honor God. They went in to make sacrifice. They go in there to, to light fire for God. So what went wrong here? Well, we see the problem here. And, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. So I've read this before and it looks like God said, don't use that fire. They came in and they lit the fire God told them not to use. That's not the case. King James makes it a little tricky for us. And offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. In other words, which God didn't command them to. He didn't say, don't do this, but he never told them to do that. 
correct? Uh, the ESV, which is what we'll read now, makes it a little more plain. Uh, and several other versions will word it pretty close like this. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. Fire they were not authorized to use. Why? Which he had not commanded them. Fire came out before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. This fire came out from God. He was angry because they did something he didn't tell them to do. It wasn't that God said, don't do this, and they went and did it. Is because God said, I want you to use this fire. There, there, was, there was fire there to use. And they went in and used, used some other fire. Used fire from out the camp or used fire from their big lighter. I don't know. Fire that they were not commanded to use. That they didn't have the authority to use. They didn't have the authority from God to use this fire. That's what we know. And they used it. God didn't say, don't use this fire. Yet they, they used it anyways. And, and God was not very happy with that. All worship's not the same to God. Don't you wish it? Well, I, I guess I wish it was. I don't know. But it's just not the way it is. Whether you like it or not. God is either going to be pleased or he's going to be displeased with your worship. In our worship today, we can either submit to God's authority or we won't submit to God's authority. There are many ways that people worship today. And we have no intention of picking on, picking on those ways that people worship. There's a lot of different religions out there. Is there not? I mean a lot. You can't count them. Is all worship the same to God though? I submit to you today that it's, it's just not. God has prescribed a way he wants us to worship. And the way Brandon talked about in his last lesson, the way that we'll touch on in these next few sermons. And we must... We must be willing to obey him. We must be obey, willing to obey the authority he's given us in the worship assembly. There are many things that people add to the worship assembly today where God never told us not to do this, but we, we can read from Nadab and Abihu, we, we need to do things the way he's told us. He gets upset when we do things that he didn't tell us to do in worship, doesn't he? As we get ready to close today, I want you to know Jesus commands authority. Jesus will challenge authority at times. As we started our sermon today, we, we talked about how we, everything must be done into edifying. And that there's only one audience member here right now watching us today. God is watching our worship assembly. He's watching us because he desires to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. He desires to be glorified in the ways that he's told us to glorify him. And it's an audit as well. He's looking. Have they sang the way I told them to sing? Have they prayed the way I told them to pray? Have they done that with spirit and understanding? Will they partake of the Lord's Supper today the way I told them to or not? He's watching us. He's challenging us to see if we're obeying his authority or not. In Matthew 21, speaking of Jesus here, when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus said, answered and said unto them, I also was asked you one thing, which if you tell me, 
I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reason with themselves, saying, If we shall, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I by you, tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus uses the authority back on them, doesn't he? He challenges the authority of them. They ask him by what authority he's teaching. And he challenges their authority right back. And he challenges them on the authority of uh, John's baptism. The 25th verse. The baptism of John. Whence was it? Where did it come from, Jesus says? Did it come from heaven? Or is it something people made up? Did it come from man? And they reason with themselves. And I always see them huddling up. Okay, let's figure this out. What we're going to say. They, I don't know if they've seen him verbally whip people before or what. They knew that he was smart. They knew that he was wise. They're like, okay, we've got to say the right thing here or else this could go really wrong for us. We've got to be careful. Where did it come from? Did it come from heaven or man? They say, well, if we tell him it came from heaven, then he's going to wonder why we didn't obey that authority, why we didn't believe it. Of course, if we say it came from man, uh, then all these people who are watching us are going to know that we're phonies, aren't they? They're in a tight spot, weren't they? Notice a lot of times when we don't have the truth, we can get back down in these tight spots. When we challenge the authority of Jesus, when we challenge the authority of the Bible, and we're wrong, we can get back down in these, wrong, these bad spots. Backed into a spot where we have to go, okay, let me think about this. Let's huddle up and figure out how we're going to get out of this pickle. They didn't know. Well, they knew. Jesus made sure they knew. He'll challenge our authority in the same way. When we come together and we worship today, and, and we go through all these singing and pray and teach and we take the communion. When we're here to worship God today, he's wondering, by what authority? Is it from heaven or is it from man? I wanted to save this point for the last because I thought it was really cool. In Genesis chapter 4 and the, the fifth verse, as we revisit, as we begin to bring our remarks to a close, we revisit... Uh, Cain and Abel, and we revisit their worship. I want to pull up uh, the Hebrew word there in the, in the Strongs, and if you've got it, it, it'd be interesting to go look at that. As we read the verse before that, it says that, that unto Abel and to his sacrifice, God had respect, and now it says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. What does the word respect there mean? To this sacrifice, to this worship that they're offering, God had respect for it or he didn't have respect for it. What does that word respect mean? From the word shaw, to gaze at or about, to inspect, to consider. But unto Cain and to his offering, God had not respect. He, he would not gaze at it. He would not even inspect it. He wouldn't even consider it worship. I can't even look at this. 
He looked and he considered Abel's sacrifice and Abel's offering. Why did he have respect for it? Why was God pleased with Abel? He was willing to look at it. He was willing to consider it. God is looking at our worship today and he is going to either consider it or not consider it. He's going to look at it or he won't look at it. But unto Cain and his offering, God wouldn't even look at it. I can't even consider this worship. Gives a whole new meaning to the 17th verse of 1 Corinthians, right? You come together not for the better, but for the worse. What are we doing here today if God can't even look at our worship? We have wasted our time tremendously. How would you feel today if, if I told you that the way we took communion for years was not by the authority of God? That something we did about it was wrong? And that God hadn't even looked at it, hadn't even considered it for years? Well, that'd make me feel sick, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that make you feel sick? We must obey God by his authority in worship. In Mark 7, it says, How be it in vain that he worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Ask yourself, is, is my worship today, is it from God or is it from man? Audit your worship today. Your singing, is it from God or from man? Has he commanded us to do this? Are we adding something that he didn't command us to do? Our teaching today, is it from God or is it from man? Are we teaching about things that we want, that, that we want to see people do, that we think will help the church or give us a, a higher standing in life? I don't know. Or is it from God? This comes from Isaiah, the 29th chapter there. We see God, God felt the same way about this in the Old Testament, did he not? Where, this is a quote here from Isaiah, where Mark 7, where we just read. Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Why do people draw nigh to God with their mouth and lips, but have a heart that's far away from him? They're trying to worship him by the principles of man. They're trying to worship him in the way they want to. They're trying to take authority from God in worship. God's not okay with us trying to take authority from him. Not on any day of the week, and especially not here in the worship assembly. We live our life for God seven days a week. And we've got one hour here, one hour, where we set aside all of our desires and everything that we want in every way possible and we just glorify Him. It has nothing to do with what we want. It has nothing to do with what we'd like to see or what we desire. It is all about worshiping God by His authority in the way that He prescribes. Like I said, there are many people who, who challenge the authority of God. We all challenge the authority of God from time to time. It's human nature. It's a human nature thing to challenge the authority of God. You probably challenged God's authority this last week. Maybe not in a worship assembly setting, but in some way or another. When we, when we decide that something God's told us not to do or something God's told us to do and we decide not to do those things or we decide to do things He told us not, we're challenging the authority of God. 
We wouldn't be okay with the child trying to take authority from a parent or a wife over the husband or a, a church member over our elders. Why do we try to take authority from God? We're all guilty of this from time to time, outside of worship or in worship. We're going to offer an invitation at this time. Like I said, hope, hopefully you can be back this afternoon as we begin to talk about and begin to open up specific parts of the worship assembly uh, with starting at singing. We want to offer an invitation at this time. If you need the prayers of the church, if you have a need of any kind, that may be for any reason. It may have nothing to do with challenging the authority of God. It may have to do with something going on in your life. Whatever the case may be or whatever need you might have, we ask that you make it known on the front.